I'm Brenda Burns, and this is the Vienna Assembly of God Sermons Podcast. Thank you for listening. It's an honor to share this time with you. Learn more about the ministries of Vienna Assembly of God at ViennaAG.com. Please leave your comments and reviews on the platform where you're listening. And now for today's message. The book of Psalms is in the category of Hebrew poetry. That another word for category there is genre. That's the genre that the Psalms are. But then within that are several subtypes. So there are Psalms that are hymns, laments, thanksgivings, Psalms of remembrance, Psalms of confidence. There are wisdom Psalms and kingship Psalms. And then there are some others as well. They were written over a period of almost 1,000 years. They go all the way back to the time of Moses and all the way to the post-exile. Um, there are five books in the way the Psalms is structured. And I didn't give this to you last week, but um, for the nerds among us, I want to tell you, here are those divisions, if you care. Psalm 1 through 41, 42 through 72. 73 through 89, 90 through 106, and then 107 through 150. Each of those sections ends with a doxology that kind of marks it as an ending. So there's not an overall system that scholars have been able to define as to how the Psalms have fully come to us in the order that they are in, but there is evidence of intent in guiding us as the readers and as the worshipers that come into the Psalms together. They, we are guided through the titles, uh, through the groupings, and through the movements in the book of Psalms. Today, in the about section of just learning about the Psalms, I want to talk about theology in the Psalms, and this is gonna, I'm gonna talk about this again uh, when I get back from vacation, but this part one is about that the theology of the Old Testament in the Psalms. So Psalms is in the Old Testament. If you had a, a Bible and you're, you know, I was to say, please open to the book of Psalms. Most of you could find it because it's right in the middle of the Bible, right? As opposed to if I said, please open to the book of Nahum. And you would be like, Nahum, where is that? And you'd be like searching for your index or whatever, right? So Psalms is in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament means that section of the scripture written before Jesus came. The section after Jesus came is called the New Testament, all right? An interesting thing about Psalms is that not only is it in the Old Testament, the Old Testament is in the Psalms. Okay, every element of the story of God that is given to us in the Old Testament from creation through the Exodus, through the kings and prophets are found in the Psalms. Quoting from Tremper Longman, he, he quotes Basil, the bishop of Caesarea in the fourth century, noted that the Psalms were a compendium of all theology. 
Martin Luther aptly called the Psalms a little Bible and the summary of the Old Testament. So through the Psalms, we can experience an immersion in theology, but not a systematic, boring, doctrinal thesis, okay? (laughs) But a theology that is lived and breathed and walked in. It is written in relationship with God, with real life application and down to earth relevance. And that's one of the fascinating things about Psalms is that even though they were written at a particular time for a particular situation, they have enough um, genericness involved in that that allows it to speak to us in our own situation right now. And that is a beautiful part of, of the gift of the Psalms to us. This aspect of relationship with God permeates the Psalms. It is understood. It's like it's, it's, it's a thing that is understood as we enter into this sanctuary of the Psalms that God has drawn his people into covenant relationship with himself. And it is that confidence, that standing with God that empowers the psalmist to praise to lament, to remember, and to hope because he's coming from that knowing relationship with God. In a coming series, we're going to take a deeper dive into the meaning of covenant. But I want us to remember that we now live in the new covenant. It's in the word Old Testament, New Testament. Another way to say that is old covenant, new covenant We are in the new covenant through the cross of Jesus Christ. And when we share at his table together and we drink the cup representing the new covenant in his blood, we are are acknowledging that God has drawn us into relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And that gives us the confidence to approach him with boldness and faith reveling in the truth of his love. So today we're going to look at Psalm 30. And uh, you'll see the lyric from that song that we just did, but then also maybe some other familiar um, phrases that you may or may not have known that's where they come from. So Psalm 30, a psalm of David, a song for the dedication of the temple. I will exalt you, Lord, for you rescued me. You refuse to let my enemies triumph over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you restored my health. You brought me up from the grave, O Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. When I was prosperous, I said, nothing can stop me now. 
Your favor, O Lord, made me as secure as a mountain. Then you turned away from me, and I was shattered. I cried out to you, O Lord. I begged the Lord for mercy, saying, What will you gain if I die, if I sink into the grave? Can my dust praise you? Can it tell of your faithfulness? Hear me, Lord, and have mercy on me. Help me, O Lord. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. This is the word of the Lord. Father, I pray for an anointing on this moment as we listen to your word, as we receive from it. I pray that you anoint me as I speak and that our minds and hearts will be open to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So Psalm 30 is a psalm of thanksgiving in terms of those categories that scholars have found. As such, it is related to a hymn. Um, because it has exaltation and praise of God. That's how it begins. I will exalt the Lord. But it is also related to a lament because it is a thanksgiving to God for answering a prayer of lament. Walter Brueggemann has put forth this grid for the Psalms in understanding these categories a little bit, that hymns are at a time of orientation. Lament are at a time of disorientation. And thanksgiving are at a time of reorientation. So let's look at that little template there a minute. Orientation, what does that mean? Well, all is well in the world and God is to be praised. I am whistling as I go down the road. You know, everything is good and happy, and I'm praising the Lord. Orientation, okay? Disorientation. Nothing is right in this world, and God is to be pleaded with for mercy, or else he's to be complained to. Like, what's going on here? And the psalmist is completely out of sorts and overtaken by fear and grief or anger or disappointment, etc., etc. Disorientation. Reorientation, hope has been renewed. A fresh perspective gained, a deeper revelation of God and his goodness. But it can only have happened through the disorientation. So Pete Scazzaro builds on Brueggemann's concept and and he teaches these as paradigms for life in general, that we all experience each of these. Orientation, disorientation, reorientation, and that it is a pattern of spiritual formation that every one of us will encounter. 
I'm pretty sure I heard him say one time, if you're in that orientation phase and all is right and all is good, yay, good for you, but get ready (laughs) because there's going to be a season of disorientation. That's not necessarily encouraging, except it's to tell you this. What if you do find yourself in that period of disorientation? Please don't give up. Please don't give up. God is faithful. You are going to come out of this. You will be able to have that renewed hope and confidence in God. So Psalm 30 reminds us of this reality. We see it as a praise in answer to a lament, a thanksgiving, a reorientation. But it also reminds us of an important difference or differentiation between those who follow Jesus and those who do not. So I want to ask you a question. What do you think makes Christians different from non-Christians? I mean, it's sort of a basic question, but then when you think about it, it's like, huh. I mean, is it our behaviors? Is it just our beliefs? Is it the way we talk? Is it the way we dress? Is it, you know, what is it that makes Christians different from non-Christians? There's probably a lot of answers, lots of ways to describe it, but in the book of Romans, chapter 1, Paul writes that a key difference is giving thanks. In verse 21, he says that those who are unwilling to acknowledge God and give him thanks, this is a paraphrase, but they are the ones who wind up having their minds darkened and confused. (laughs) It's very important to be a thankful people. And one of the realities of coming into the sanctuary of the Psalms is we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We are a thankful people. This Psalm says that a thankful person, though, is not the same as being a clueless person. Okay? So I think that sometimes in our sophisticated modern mind that, you know, we get into an attitude that, um, well, I would be thankful, but I, you know, that would be like going into denial. And I, and I have to be real about everything that's going on in my life. And, and, and this, it, the scripture is trying to teach us, you are thankful even in the midst of the problem. It's not denying the problem. It's not saying that everything's just great. It is saying that in the middle of this, God is still worthy to be praised. God is to be thanked. And that's what differentiates a Christian from a non-Christian because we believe in God in spite of our circumstances. We believe in God even if he slay me. (laughs) I know my Redeemer lives and we trust in him. This prayer of thanksgiving is in response to a previous prayer of lament and a cry 
for help. And the psalmist voices his fears. He talks about the threats, the problems, the, the emotional angst that he's feeling. And then he exalts the Lord for his goodness, for his healing, for lifting him up. That, that phrase at the beginning, like you lifted me up, it's, it's literally the, the same words that would be used as, as a pitcher being lifted out of a very, very deep well, dark down. And that pitcher has no capacity to lift itself up. It has to be lifted up by the one who is higher and pulled up by the one. And the psalmist is saying, God, you lifted me up. Even when I was down in the depths, you lifted me up. I think this is amazing that in the middle of this, in verse 6, the psalmist confesses pride. He says, when I was prosperous... I said, nothing can stop me now. And this is the thing. In moments of orientation, when everything's going right and good, we're still supposed to be thankful people then. But what happens? Do I move myself to the center instead of keeping God as my focus? Do I forget to give thanks when it feels like everything's just fine? Do I begin patting myself on the back for all my accomplishments? Watch out there, because that's gonna bring a season of disorientation again. So after verse six, the, the psalmist experiences another pit. And this one's even worse than what he talked about at the beginning, because in this case, he is experiencing the absence of God's presence. That moment when you feel like your prayer just bounces off of the ceiling, that God is distant and you feel at a complete loss for how to reach him. The encouraging thing is that even in that scenario, the psalmist called out to God for mercy, and God answered. So this psalm has some of the most well-known phrases of hope in the scripture. Uh, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts how long? For a lifetime. <laughs> Weeping may last through the night, but what comes with the morning? Joy comes with the morning. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. My grief, that kind of mourning. You have taken away my clothes of mourning, the garments of, of heaviness, and clothed me with joy. <laughs> and, and in verse 2, I cried to you for help and you healed me. So I've shared with you that that lyric and that, that verse means so much to me. And, and, and I want to just share the, the story of that. Uh, Psalm 30, and I don't have it uh, copied here in the other version that I was reading, but 
The first verse says, I will exalt you, Lord, for you rescued me. You refused to let my enemies triumph over me. Now, I know that it's hard to think in terms of me having any enemies. But there was a season in my life, in my church, that there were actually people mad at me. And every Sunday was hard because I never knew what was going to happen that Sunday with the people that were mad at me. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm actually saying I'm totally not. Um, But I was trying. I was trying to get it figured out and seeking the Lord, and it didn't seem to help. (laughs) Nothing was answering the problem. Well, in addition to that being so hard, I was beginning to have physical responses to this problem. And the anxiety was so much in me that whenever a scenario would present itself, I would go into physical shaking like this, like like literal, I couldn't stop it. And... I never went to a professional or to a doctor about it, but what I think, <laughs> I, was, I was moving towards a nervous breakdown because my nerves were doing this and they were just shaking. And, and so here I was in my daily reading, reading this psalm, and I saw that you refused to let my enemies triumph over me. And so I, I was just like, You know, I hate to even think of calling people enemies, and I don't like it, Lord, but in this situation, I need help. This feels like people are that much against me, and I I just need some help. And then in red verse 2, O Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you restored my health. The version that I read, it literally just said, and you healed me me. And at that moment, I felt something inside that was like a a power that came into my body. And whatever that anxiety response was, I I could feel it calm. I could feel it a difference. The test was coming that night. (laughs) We had a church meeting, and I knew that it was coming, and that my previous experience was that I was just going to go into a, a terrible thing of shaking. And that healing stuck. The healing stayed. The calm was there. I never had that physical response I've never had it again since that time. And that was 30 plus years ago. Okay? I want to encourage us as we come into the Psalms, as we read these things, they are giving us theology we can trust. They are teaching us reality that is of God. And that I'm not asking you to claim a promise 
that is out of the blue somewhere. But when you're reading it here and it's speaking directly to you, and especially when the Holy Spirit lifts it off the page and puts it in your heart and you know that this is speaking to you, I want you to be encouraged with that today. Amen? Amen. So for ending up... I want to think about the title of this psalm. It says, a psalm of David, a song for the dedication of the temple. Now, we know that David did not build the temple. David wanted to, but God told him, you are not going to be the one to build a temple for me. Uh, you, your son will do that. But what David did do was make a lot of preparation for the dedication of the temple. Now, Trimper Longman suggests that it's not really easily discernible in this particular psalm how that title corresponds to the psalm. And so, he, you know, he's like saying, don't get sidetracked by that. Don't try to force the interpretation of the psalm to fit with the title and just, you know, be okay with that. And I agree, I'm good with that. But I also think there's a connection for our purposes here as a congregation and thinking about this. If we consider entering the Psalms as stepping into a sanctuary with God, and if we think about this Psalm being for the dedication of a temple, it affirms to me the validity of what we're doing right here, right now. Coming together at a set time, at a set place for gathered worship in order to give thanks to God. Uh, this is not something that, that um, a Sunday school department made up in the 1950s. All right? The reality of coming together as the people of God at a set time in a set place has always been the pattern that God has given us, and it's important for us to think about. But here's the other thing. What does it mean to come together is that we will experience the reality of our covenant relationship with God. We will acknowledge the truth that we experience times of orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. In other words, our church experience, our coming together to worship God should be real. It should connect to our real life. It shouldn't be pretend time. It shouldn't be the make-believe moment of the week. It needs to be the moment where the real faith in God connects with our real emotions and our real feelings and the stuff that's going on in our life. Amen? Does that make sense? And the hope that God sees us. He sees us in those deepest, darkest times and his love is deeper still. And when we come together to affirm that, it strengthens us in that resolve. And the other element in this psalm that corresponds to our gathered worship, and this is how we're going to end today, is that the history, the Bible 
historically talks about this. The Bible get, tells us the future reality. And those two things come together and inform our present practice of singing. <laughs> this Bible encourages us to sing to the Lord. The Bible tells us that in Revelation, the multitudes will be singing praises to the Lord. And it is important that we sing out. I was thinking about this with COVID. What was the first thing that COVID took away? Is singing. Like like the one of those big outbreaks that happened early on over in the West Coast was from a choir practice. And it was all of a sudden, everybody figured out, uh, you, can't, you can't sing when you're around people because you're, you're spreading too many germs. And, and it, it messed us up. And then the other thing is once you're, you know, like, like I imagined uh, Stephanie and Vernell, like trying to sing along, you can't because you, 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 know, you just start coughing and going to a coughing fit and everything. Uh, but if we're not sick and if we're not spreading germs, we are called to sing. And it doesn't say only those who are good enough to go on American Idol or America's Got Talent, or The Voice, or whatever, whatever those reality things are. No, you don't have to be a trained vocalist, or a contestant, or whatever, to sing praises to God. And we need to up it. We need to sing out as a congregation. I know, I know you're afraid somebody's going to hear you. And I still want you to be willing to sing out. And I want us to be the kind of people <laughs> that wouldn't make somebody feel embarrassed for singing out. But we would encourage that and be good with that. So we're going to, Rachel, come on up. Lydia, come on up. We're going to end today singing a song of praise. And we tried to choose one that's good and singable that you can easily sing along with. I want us to be a people of thanksgiving, a people that's willing to sing out, a people that don't stay silent. I don't know if you picked up on that, but in the last part of this psalm, it, it's like the, the most challenging thing would be that I'm not able to sing out. He was like, you have taken my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. And we are given this gift today to sing to the Lord. And we're just a few of us in here, but I want to encourage us to sing out together to the Lord. Are you ready? Let's do this. I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bowed and drenched. 
to sing to the Lord, and it's a gift to you, and it's a gift for you, and it's a gift to the Lord. Amen. 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 Encouraging you to be in Psalm 30 this week. If you have a chance to just keep reading through it and see how the Lord will speak to you through this and encourage your heart, be encouraged in the Lord today. He is with us in times of orientation in times of disorientation, in times of reorientation. God is our faithful, faithful Lord, and we can trust him. So I'm sending you out in a blessing today. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill 
cannot be hid. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. If you enjoyed today's message, why not share it with a friend? I invite you to subscribe at Apple Podcast and our YouTube channel. We'd love to hear your feedback and comments. So glad that you were with us today. Look forward to seeing you next week. At Vienna Assembly of God, we love God, others, and life. And we're leading our community in a growing relationship with God.